do what Pastor Rasan has instructed all of us to do, and that is to just get into the Word of God. We just want, I mean, I so desire that, um, that we just, just take in the Word like it is uh, the meal that you like the most, part of the meal that you like the most. There's many different servings in a meal. Um, mine is dessert. So I'm going to take it in as if it is dessert. I mean, it's like I, I will, I want to enjoy it. I want to savor it. And before I start, I just want to say a prayer and just thank everybody for being here, those that are seen and unseen. Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for this body of believers, Father, that gather today to hear your word, Father. We pray for those who are unable to be with us today, Father, whatever the reason or the purpose, be with them. Let them sense your presence. Let them feel in the the desires that you have for them in their heart, Father, as you are reading their heart right now. Take care of them, Lord Jesus. If they're sick, heal them. If if they're lacking in anything, Lord Jesus, fill their cup, Father, till it overflows so that they can help another that is beside them, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity. I lay down anything, Father, that um, I have, I have, uh, I'm holding on to without knowledge, Father, because I, I feel I've left it all at the cross. But if there's anything, Father, that would hinder this message, Father, right now, I just ask for you to take that from me, Lord, and, and allow your word and you to use this temple, Father, and uh, to, to speak forth your truth. In Jesus' name, I give thanks and praise. Amen. Amen. God is amazing. Amen. So, I'm going to... Start the timer. Be <laughs> studious there. So we'll let that just go. Um, and now I get to see things in a different way standing up here than when I'm sitting in my comfortable seat over there. We're going to start literally. God has had me all over this Bible, and I am so it, it excites me to have spent the amount of time um, either walking, talking, or being in the Word. I mean, I, that's what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. And we're going to start at the beginning. Uh, we're going to start with Genesis 1, and I'm just going to read Genesis 1.1. I'm reading from the Living Bible paraphrase. When God began creating the heavens and the earth, the earth was at first a shapeless, chaotic mess. Chaotic. I think about when I said when I read that word, I said chaotic. That that's like there was no rhyme or reason. It was just it was just there. It just existed. With the spirit of God brewing over the dark vapors. And it's like I can I can see him, I can see our creator just just checking it out like a ball of clay, like I, that that you would just you're getting ready to shape and you're forming it, and he's just like looking at it above, below, all four sides, going, What am, this is gonna be the greatest creation that I will ever do. And he's just checking it out. He wants to make sure that he does his best. And that's all he's about. God is the best. We cannot supersede him. He is our creator. He is the creator of all things. And so often that 
we we become sometimes we feel because we work so hard that there that the world tells us that we are in control of our destiny. That is it is it is not by happenstance or chance, you know, it's luck that you are able to accomplish the things that you accomplish in life. But we know different. As Christians, if you just, just the first words in Genesis where it speaks about our creator and how he took something that was nothing and chaotic and he studied it and brewed over it. It's not by happenstance that we're all here today. He has a purpose for us. Sometimes we want to take credit, but we need to remember that we are not here to love and adorn the creation. We are here for the creator. Amen. We are here to for a purpose that he has placed in each one of us since the beginning of time. And to think that he knew that each one of us were going to be here and where we would be at, at this particular moment and, and season in our lives, it just befiggles me. My mind just like, just, you know, but he's God. Amen. He's God. So then we need to, the next thing that we need to do is that we need to worship the creator, not the creation. Amen. And in Romans 1, 24, 25, let's see here. And again, I'm, gonna, I'm reading out of the same translation. Romans 1, 24, 25. So God let them go ahead into every sort of sex, sin, and do whatever they wanted to. Yes, vow sinful things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they prayed to the things God made, but would not obey the blessed God who made these things. So in Romans, we are looking at where man is thinking that he is God, that he does not, that, that he is starting to, to he's starting to um, worship, and he is starting to um, the creation and not the creator, starting with his own body, defiling his own body, doing things that God's word specifically said that we should not do as his people to our bodies. And so therefore, they started at this time to, to start obeying the creation instead of the creator. This is this angers God. This does not make God happy that we have turned from Him. In Nehemiah 9:6 and Proverbs 34, 30 and 4, it speaks about God being the creator of heaven and earth and the winds. So he created everything. He created all living, breathing things. It is, we are not to 
start worshiping the things he created for us, for our good, for our comfort, because he loved us, because he knew the things that we would need in this world. His word tells us that we are in this world, but we're not of this world, that we belong to him, the creator, and he has a purpose and a plan for us. And we're going to find out more about that purpose and plan as we move forward. In Colossians 1, 15, 17. He is the image. Let's see. Colossians. Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. The things we can see and the things we cannot the spirit world with its kings and kingdoms, its rulers and authorities, all were made by Christ for his own use and glory. He was before all else began, and it is his power that holds everything together. So we learn here that Christ not only created the living things, but he also created the rulers and the authorities that are within this world. So we're to respect and we're to honor those rulers and authority, but they are not without fault or sin because they're man. They are not God. We should not look at them as if they are God. They were just like the fish in the air, the wind, what the fish in the sea, I mean, in the birds in the air and the wind, they were made by the Creator. We are not to worship the authority that is here on earth. We are not to worship people. We are to leave that solely to God. And the next thing that we have to also look at is that God has reason and purpose for everything. And in his word, in Ecclesiastes 3, it speaks about the different seasons that we have and that he has ordained for us. He has not left anything unturned here. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, There is a right time for everything, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant, and a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to destroy, and a time to rebuild, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time for scattering stones, a time for gathering stones, a time to hug, a time not to hug, a time to find and a time to lose. A time for keeping, a time for throwing away. A time to tear, a time to repair. A time to be quiet 
and a time to speak up, a time for loving, a time for hating, a time for war, a time for peace. What does one really get from hard work? I have thought about this in correction with all the various kinds of work God has given to mankind. Everything is appropriate in its own time. That's something that we have got to learn as God's creations, is that we need to learn how to be patient. We need to learn how to allow the seasons that God has created specifically for their time in our lives. And because one person may be in the time of rebuilding, someone else might be in a time of cry. And one person might be in a time of tearing down or throwing away, but another person might be in a time of love. Somebody may be at war, but yet someone else might be at peace. Just because we are in this world, again, we have to remember we're not of this world, and we cannot look at what one another are going through and think that God has forgotten me or us. We have to ask him, what season am I in, Lord? If you, I, I need to hear your voice. I need to, I need to know from you. You need to speak to me. What season am I in? Surely I'm not in a time of laughter or I'm not in a time of tearing away. Where am I? He'll speak to you if you ask him. And how do you ask him depends about upon where you are in your walk with Christ. God says that he will speak to us through his word. So first and foremost, we have to be in his word if we want to know his voice, if we want to understand and, and gather and glean the answers that from him is that we have, to, we have to ask him and we have to be in his word. And we can't compare where we're at in our seasons where we're someone else's because we're all at a different time. And God is, I don't know how he keeps up with us all. I mean, I can't imagine. But he knows exactly where each one of us are. And he knows when we're going to flip the page and what's on that next page. It is no surprise to him where any one of us are at this particular time. It is no surprise to him because he purposed it. He set it into motion the moment we were born. He knows. And so... Who else should we trust, you know? Yeah. Who else but the one who created us? And he is, I mean, and sometimes we can't, we, we look at his creation and we admire his creation, but it's like we can't fathom that we're a part of it sometimes. You know, he loves us. He really, truly loves us. His son died for us, and he made it so that we have a way back to him by his son, he wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to get to know his voice. So the things that, and let's see here, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. Ephesians 2. Start at 
7. So overflowing is his kindness towards us that he took away all our sins through the blood of his son, by whom we are saved. And he showered down upon us the richness of his grace. For how well he understands us and knows what is best for us at all times. So his word tells us that he showers down these blessings upon us and his grace and the richness. That he knows what is best for us at all times. At all times. So even if it doesn't feel good, even when we're going through one of those like yucky seasons where it's like, ugh, God, what are you doing? Don't question him. Say, God, show me. Explain to me. Guide me. And what's what what where where do I I need to be positioned? Do I need to be positioned on my knees? Do I need to be positioned standing up? Do I need to be laying flat, flat on my back? Do I need to be in a group of people? Do I need to be separated from people? Ask him. If you're going through a season that is unfamiliar to you, and you're thinking, oh, he's left me here, and he's forgotten about me, he hasn't forgotten about you. It's not your time yet. And he's wanting to have that conversation with you, but you've got to ask him. Want me, God? Where do you want me to position myself so that I can hear from you? Because you know what is best for me. You know all things. All things. Amen. So then, the next thing that we're going to talk about is knowing his voice. And Jeremiah 29, 13. Let's see. Yes. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And Jeremiah 29, 13, when it says that you will seek me, and find me. That's not a mistaken words. He's saying, if you're wanting to hear my voice, you need to seek me first. I'm not going to push myself on you. I'm not going to burden you. You have to come to me. So you need to seek me and you need to find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, you're going to hear from him. This just means spending time in his word and studying. Once you start spending time in his word and studying, you will hear him more clearly every single time you petition him, every single time you go to him. Then the next thing that he's going to ask us is in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Is it not God that has? So faith, God is telling us that sometimes when he answers us, sometimes we are not wanting the answer he gives us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes 
we are expecting him to tell us something that we want to hear and we want to receive, but that is not his will. That is not what he has planned for us in that season. We're looking for a different answer, but God is always the same. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So when he tells us something, whether it's something that we want to hear or something that we do not want to hear, he is not going to change his answer just because we don't like it. We can have the biggest temper tantrum. It might work on mom and dad. It might work at, with your teacher or your boss. You can turn it on and turn it off and get whatever you want and they can change their mind. But you know what? Your mom, your dad, your teacher, your boss, they all have something in common. They're in this world. They have flesh and they can be persuaded and they can, they can, you can alter and change their minds by just a whisper, a smile, a gesture. You can change their minds, but God, he's a good God. And he is so good that when he has destined at the beginning of time that this is the answer for this question because he knew it was coming, he's not going to change him. It is what it is, what it is. And we have to accept that. And when you get to know his voice, you know his answer. In Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I tell you? That's just like what I just mentioned about the moms, the dads, the grandparents, the friends. It's like you're calling them by their name, and they're giving you the answer. And, oh, are you serious? I have to do this. I have to clean that. I have, what? Really? Well, I had plans to do something else. Well, you know what? You go ahead and do something else. When you get back, you can do what it is that I asked you to do. No. God says, if you're calling upon me and you want to hear my voice, then you're going to have to receive what I say. So, why are you asking me, but yet you don't want to hear, you do not want what I tell you. So, newsflash. You're not always going to hear what you want. <laughs> and you're not always going to hear it in the way you want it. But, you know, that's, that's coming from a God who loves you. So, I mean, it's like, it's not like he's your enemy. He is your biggest fan. He created you in his image. You are no surprise to him. And he knows she's going to hit a wall every now and then with you. And you're going to have to go around that mountain a couple of times. And that's okay. Because he's patient. And he's long-suffering. And he endures for a lifetime. He's given us so many opportunities. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Wanting to hear from God is normally the urging of the Holy Spirit. So when somebody really, really, really is wanting to hear from God, that's not coming from your flesh. That's coming from the Holy Spirit from the throne of God into you, Miss Violin, and into you, Miss Marshall, this coming into you, the Holy Spirit saying, I want to commune with 
you. I want to talk to you. And I, I want to do it in a language in which no one else can understand. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. So take the time to be in His presence and commune with Him and hear His voice. He loves you. He loves you so much that He has a special language just for us. Just for us. And in John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So, renewing our minds every day is how we get to know His voice. And I've spent a lot of time going through the knowing his voice, and I have one more scripture because it's very important because the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. And he knows this word as well as our Savior and better than most of us. So if we don't know God's voice, then we can be bamboozled just like anyone else. We can be led astray. We can be taken down a wrong path. We can swear that God told us something or that we heard from Him when all along it was the enemy in our ear or in our spirit because we aren't aware of who our Father's voice, what it sounds like. And each one of us, you'll know when you start spending the time with Him. In Romans 12, 2, do not conform to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God has not left, and this is just a few scriptures speaking about God's voice to us that is found in His Word, but that's how important it is. This is, I mean, that these are about six scriptures here, and that is how important it is to him that we understand. We need to know him. We need to spend time with him. We need to commune with him. And we need to just love him as much as he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. We don't have to be perfect to be in his presence. We just have to be who he created us to be. Then the last thing is, and I have, set, I have several points, but it's like, if I were to do all of them, we'd be here all night while I'm doing this. Know the will of the Father. God's will is an advancement. His will is for the advancement of His kingdom. And we can find the first of that in Daniel's 20.44. So in Daniel's 20. Excuse me. Daniel's 2.44, not 20. Sorry.
the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. No one will ever conquer it. It will shatter all these kingdoms unto nothing, but it shall stand forever, undestructible. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain without a human hand, the rock that crushed to to powder all the iron and brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. So, the first thing is God setting his kingdom. The second is that God wants to glorify God. He wants to, he wants to be glorified. So, in 1 Corinthians 10.31, It says, you must do everything for the glory of God. It didn't say you must do some things, you must do one or two things. It says you must do everything for the glory of God. And why shouldn't he expect any less than everything from us when he has given us everything? So it belongs to him anyways. But whatever we do, whether... We are operating a camera, whether we're at work, whether we're driving in a car, whether we're a student at school, whether we are just being a mom or dad or grandparent, whatever we're doing in that moment, we need to do it for the glory of God. Because it doesn't matter, yes, we do what we do for the kingdom because other people around us who are saved and unsaved are watching what we are doing. And that's how they come to know about the kingdom and about God and about our Savior because it comes in our conversation as part of our fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's part of our fruit. They see this. But more than that, when we do something to the glory of God, that means that we are edifying our Father. We're giving Him our best. We're not just shortchanging Him. And everything is important to Him. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You need to do it to your best. And promotion in the world comes that way. So like, yes, there's promotions in the kingdom. But when you're, we are in this world, and we do what we do, some of the things we do, especially work or job or school, it's like we do these things because we want to acclimate and achieve a certain goal. And that goal could be graduation, that goal could be a promotion, that goal could be you know, increasing your income. But if you're doing it for God's glory and not man's glory, those things will come. They will come. You will receive those rewards because you're doing it for God first, not man. And then in Second Peter's three nine. But don't forget. I'm going to start at eight. But don't forget this, dear friends, that a day. Or a thousand years from now is like tomorrow to the Lord. He isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he is waiting for the good person that he is 
not willing that any should perish, and that he is giving more time for sinners to repent. So we need to remember that God has a purpose and a plan for everything. When things seem like it's slowing down for us, who know him, who love him, who serve him, he knows that there might be someone lagging behind, someone just outside of our eyesight, someone just on the other, around the bend that we don't see. But he sees them. He has eyes on every one of us at all times. And if he's slowing down, it might be because this person has never heard the word of God. This person may not know who their Savior is, who their Creator is. They may have celebrated and enjoyed the creation of God, but they don't give Him the honor and the glory for that creation. They, they give it to the world. They give it to themselves. And it's slowing down so that this person may be able to see the fruit you're bearing, Slowing, uh, slowing time down so that maybe this person who is yet still a sinner and will not be going to heaven unless he hears about the goodness of our Lord and Savior so that this person will have an opportunity to be able to share in the kingdom like we will share when that time comes. So, God has a plan and a purpose. And if he can use you to help save one of his lost, that's what we're here for. That's what, that is his plan. That is his perfect will of God. Is so that he has conditioned us and he has brought us to a place where we can now be used to then bring those who do not know him into the kingdom, into the fold. That's what our job here is. That's what we're supposed to do. So, as I said, there's so much that God has highlighted and illuminated during this past week, just studying his word and his goodness. And some of it I knew and some of it is the first time because I'm reading through this Bible for the first time myself this year. And I'm just amazed at the awesomeness of our Savior and of the apostles who took the time to be in his presence, to be able to write his word out so that we can all benefit and one day be in heaven with our Father. So thank Amen. you. Amen. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.